beard that she was referring to was not her own beard, but the beard of, of Aaron, uh, the brother of Moses, A-A-R-O-N. Not that... Not that the <laughs> Teddy and I were totally thinking that. Okay. Uh, we're going to begin a project uh, together today. Because uh, this project is ultimately about living in light of the resurrection. And this project is going to take at least a year. The sermon series probably won't last a year. Um, I hope. But you never know. I've done it before. Um, I'm, for some reason, I'm not. Are you, am I connected here? It's oh. Okay. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm talking about this. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so, and and uh, what we're gonna call this sermon series is at home while away, and what this is uh, based on. Okay, I'm gonna try disconnecting and reconnecting because it's not. Oh, it's way out of whack. Okay. Do pay no attention to that. You that that doesn't exist yet. We haven't done the work to get you there. Okay, but we want to talk about transformation, living in light of the resurrection. And, and, and I'm going to tell you how I got here. Part of how I got here was uh, just thinking about transformation myself. And, and, and as I was going through scripture, I came to this passage, which is from 1 Timothy. And this is Paul instructing Timothy on how to be a pastor to the church that, that, that over which Paul has kind of placed Timothy. He's given it to oversee it. And this is what he says. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full expense, uh, uh, full acceptance. Now, this really grabbed me because, like, I hadn't thought of this before—the idea that we could train for godliness in the same way that we train ourselves physically. And and, and maybe I should have, and I just didn't realize it until that time. But 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 is it that simple? Are there same, similar principles that guide the way that we train ourselves for godliness? Because I want to be trained for godliness, and I think that you do too. If he's and, and if Paul is making this comparison for Timothy, who grew up in, in, in ancient Greece, which was an athletic culture, not a, a sports culture like we have where people watch sports, but where, where people do things. They wrestle, they, they, they wrestled, they ran, they did all these, these things. That, that for, for Paul to be making that, that jump is, is a really interesting uh, place for him to take this. and must be some sort of uh, principles that, that carry over. And as I read this, what it pointed out to me was it echoed something that I felt within myself. And that, and, and I feel this, and I think if you're honest, you're going to feel too. I feel often there's a gap between who I am and who I ought to be. This is who Dan is as a husband, a father, a pastor, a person. And there, and, and there is Dan as I ought to be, as a, as a husband and father and pastor and all of those other things. And, and, and I'm not there yet. 
and I often feel stuck here and unable to figure out how I get to there. That, there, that there's something holding me back from getting to there. And in fact, it feels like, like it's, it's, it, I, I feel un, unfinished in many ways. And I want to be really clear, I'm not talking about misunderstanding the gospel. I understand that completely. And I think that you do too, that we understand that, that who we are is sealed in what Christ has done in his life and death and resurrection, and that the good news that God is intervening in this world, that God is forgiving us, that God is transforming us, that God is making all things new, changes us now and forever. That is a true fact. But in the meantime, there is this gap between us and who we ought to be, between what we are and what we feel like we should be aiming at. And, and that separation is very difficult to bridge. And, and Paul talks about this again in his second letter to the Corinthians. And he talks about it in this way, and I, and I found it so interesting that he talks about this gap as well. For we know, he says to, to the church at Corinth, that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. He's talking about our human bodies, right? That if these things are destroyed, we know that absent with the body is present with the Lord. But meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. While we're in this body, we groan and are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up <coughs> by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for their, this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So he points this out, that yes, while we are in this body, we groan. While we are in this body, we are burdened. While we are breathing air, we feel as if there is a gap between us and who we ought to be. We feel like we are not at home somehow. Things that there are things in that we are reaching for that we can't seem to find. That something inside us reaches for eternity and it can't grasp it. That something inside us reaches for justice and can't find it anywhere. That something inside us reaches for peace and finds it difficult to, 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 to grasp and to hold on to for any length of time. But Paul doesn't just leave us there because he says this. He says, in the midst of that groaning, in the midst of that burden, therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we made it our goal to please him, whether or not we are at home in the body or away from it. This is very interesting. You see, we said, while you're here, we have confidence. While you're here, we make it our goal to please the Lord. For all, So somehow, even in the midst of being away from who and what we ought to be, there is a way that we can feel at home while away. And then he continues with this, which I think is very, very important for us to pay attention to. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, either good or bad. Now, I want to be clear. 
I have a very uh, professional opinion about the end times, which is that I don't know anything about it. I know that Jesus is going to return. I understand the book of Revelation, but I don't know when. I don't know what in what order things are going to happen. And in fact, just for the benefit of my professional knowledge, it's a thing that I have chosen not to have an opinion on. But this seems very clear to Paul that even though we may not experience eternal judgment for what we have done with our bodies and in this life, there will be some sort of, of recompense, some sort of reckoning for the things that we have done, where we will be expected to, to account for the gifts and the treasures and the times that we have been given. That somehow what we do in this body is important. And Paul doesn't give us the ability to say, like, yeah, we're not at home here we're waiting to be taken away by the lord therefore it doesn't matter what you do here just do whatever you're going to do and we're not trying to escape we so we're not left with the two common options of like let's burn it all down because it doesn't matter anyway and it and we're also not we're also not caught up in the let's just try and escape this body to get to somewhere better somehow in the midst of this in the midst of this thing in which I live, this is a gift from God. And while I'm in it, it is incumbent upon me to use this gift from God the way that he has instructed me to use it. And I ought to use this for blessing others, for taking care of those around me. And while we're in this, we can make the best of it. We can have peace and joy, and we can bless Others, and there will be a reckoning for what we did in these bodies with our talents and our treasures at our time. So we recognize that we can't we are away. That is so important for us to recognize as followers of Jesus, that that this world is not our home. So we are not dismayed when things do not go our way, because this world is not our home, and it has not yet reached the fullness of that. But yet, in the midst of this, we have been called to be at home while we're away. While we're waiting the renewal of all things, we're called to, 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 to make things new while we're here. The instructions that were given are very similar given to, to the instructions given to the Hebrews uh, in exile um, through the prophet Jeremiah. Where they were exiled to Babylon, they're in a land that is not theirs, they're in a place that is not, that not theirs, they're, everything that they knew and that they loved was taken from them in the midst of this, and there was people that were saying, oh, well, while you're in Babylon, don't do anything, don't build anything, don't be part of, uh, don't in integrate yourself into the society, remove yourself completely from them, because you're not going to be here for very long. Okay, don't worry about anything, but abandon the city in which you've been placed, abandon the place, abandon the time, abandon everything about it, because, because you're going to be rescued soon. That's not what the Lord says. Rather, the Lord says this, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons, and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you in exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. What we're called to is to make a home while we're away. Understanding that we are away. Make a home here. I have a small understanding of what this looks like, I think in a different way uh, than many uh, 
Albertans do because I am from Prince Edward Island. And when you're born on Prince Edward Island, you are always from Prince Edward Island. And if you are not born on Prince Edward Island, you are never from Prince Edward Island, no matter how long you live there. My mom lived there for 50 years. She was still from away. And there are Prince Edward Islanders who have lived out here in Western Canada and Alberta for decades. And yet in their heart, even though they've built houses here, their children and their grandchildren, even great-grandchildren are here, they're going to be buried here. In their hearts, I'm from PEI. And, that, and there's something really weird about that, don't get me wrong. Like, there's, there's definitely weird. But what it does is it points to something very true for us as followers of Jesus, that we recognize that our home is not here. Even as we build here, even as we do our best here, even as we try and invest and seek the peace and well-being of this place, um, we are caught, even as we make the best of our home while away, this is not our home. But we ought to make the best of this time for ourselves and for others. So how do we begin to do that? And this is where I had to dig deep, because, and, and, and I want to thank the elders for digging deep with me, because the reality is it'd be very easy for me, and my natural inclination is to just stay here, right? Let's just be home all the way, which is a very important thing to grasp and to hold on into your head, but it gives you no specific instru- instructions on what to do with your life. And, and I got to be honest with you, I'm not very strong at distilling what we ought to do into, into, in, into applicable suggestions that will train and adjust our behavior. That is not where my brain works. My brain works up here on like some sort of like, like big picture level. I do not know where my keys are. Like that is just, I'm sorry. And because of that, I really have to work hard and be pushed by people to understand that, that it's not good enough to just stay here. It's not good enough to just stay here because, because we have lives and jobs and things that we want to get better at. So how do we begin to do that? And one of the things that I've thought about as we did this is that human beings, as human beings, who we are is made up of at least five different things, okay? This is not an exhaustive list, but this is the list that I'm going to work with. So please, if you want to argue about that, but we'll, we'll do that later. But human beings are made up of a spiritual, there's a spiritual aspect to who we are, that, that, that we were designed to pursue our creator. That there, as St. As, as, as Augustine said, that our, our, our hearts are restless until, they find our, until we find our rest in him. That there is a spiritual aspect to who we are that if we ignore that, will always lead us to unrest. We uh, have a physical aspect. We are in bodies, whether we like it or not, and these bodies need to be maintained. You need to pour water into them regularly. You need to put food into them regularly. Our bodies want things that our brains and our spirits don't necessarily want. So we have to wrestle with this body that we're in. We have to be able to look at it in the mirror. We have to take care of it and steward it well. There's a vocational aspect to who we are because we all have been given so many hours within the day, something like 84,560 seconds or something like that. You know, we've been given so many seconds throughout the day, we need to do something with those seconds. And what are those seconds for? And vocation just means your calling, your work, the thing that, that you do that brings you joy and makes you uh, feel connected to the world around you. So we have this vocational aspect to our lives. We have a relational aspect to our lives. That we have people 
around us. We have family that we're either biologically related to or related to through marriage, or we have friends or we have coworkers. Somehow, we interact with the people around us. None of us are, are capable of, of living in a completely solitary existence. And then there's a financial aspect, which seems overly practical and not very spiritual at all. But the reality is Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So somehow, what we do with our treasure, our money, our, uh, the, 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 the things in which we invest, affects our souls in a way that we, that, that we don't necessarily understand. Now, obviously, this isn't, exa- isn't exhaustive, and I know that there's lots of things that our society thinks should be up here that, that are not necessarily up here. I didn't give sexuality its own circle because I kind of figure that sexuality is a combination of the relational and the physical and some other ones. You know, I didn't give, uh, I didn't give mental health its own uh, circle because in all honesty as someone who struggles with mental health issues mental health is so interconnected with all of these aspects that to pull it out on its own really doesn't help if i want to in all honesty if i want to really help my my mental health the best thing that i can do is eat right and exercise so it, it doesn't get its own thing okay so just so you know where we are so there's five aspects that make up who we are now What the world wants to do, and what we have been taught to do, most of us through our lives, is to order these in terms of priority, right? That that this is what, that yes, we have these aspects to who we are as as humans, and now we order them. So if you get your, so the most important thing for you to do as a human being is get your financial house in order, right? That's what the world teaches us. Get your financial house in order. Get your vocational house in order. How much money you make is less important than having a job, and then, and then you can find something to do with your time on the side. But, but make sure that your finances are taken care of. And then your relational aspect, right? We want to talk about our relationships with other people. We want to talk about that. You can find lots of people that want to talk about our physical selves. There's time for that. Once you get everything else worked out, then you can, like, oh, I'm going to not eat grains or sugar for the next... 10 days or I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do any of these things. And then very last, and probably they would jump in a few more things beyond, beyond that, there is the spiritual aspect of who we are. And they would order these, like, okay, first you do this, then 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 you do this, then, and then your life will be right. So the most important thing that you can do is make sure that your, your, your finances are right. And then, if you've done all of these things and you still feel sad, just go buy something. That's the solution that our world has given us. If you still feel sad at the end of these things, go to Costco. They will have something to ease your pain for the time being. But that's not the way that we work in the world. That's not the way that human beings work, right? All of these things are inco- interconnected and affect each other. And scripture talks about this as well. Scripture says that the body is the temple, right? So this body I have with all of its lumpiness and hairiness is the place where I meet God, okay? So if is it going, if this body is the place where I meet God, is it going to affect my ability to meet God in this body if I'm consistently filling my body with garbage? Right? If I'm not using this body in any way, or training it, or, or, or trying to, or, and, and if I don't like this body, how, 
hard is it going to going to be to invite God to meet me here in this body? Now, that doesn't say that he won't. Of course, God is gracious and he will. But the reality is the way that we feel and we treat our bodies affects our ability to meet God in our bodies, right? And I already talked about this. Like our, finan- our finances are connected to our spiritual life because Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart is also. In Micah 6, in the book of Micah, God says to his people, bring the full tithe into the storehouse and see if I will bless you and be in your presence, right? So somehow, if we're, we can't ex- if we're not trusting God with our finances, we cannot expect that we're going to be in right relationship with God in our spiritual lives. We just can't have that expectation, right? We can't. Our, our relational lives are in this as well because because it says in the Bible you cannot love God and hate your brother, right? You can't do it. So somehow, if you're going to have your spiritual life right, you got to have your relational life right, right? So all of these things are connected together. All these things are working together. All of these things are moving together. All of these things are, are, are affecting, and we want to, if we're going to be at home while we're away, we want to make sure that all of these aspects are, are, are improving and getting better and being all that they can be. So what I decided to do was to come up with some habits for godliness. And this is the experiment that we're going to be running over the next year. I'd like us to try and participate regularly in habits for godliness, okay? And these are some things that I've, uh, the, and, and these are still very vague. I'm, I'm working on getting them down to more detail, but, but here's the deal. What we are responsible in our lives, what we can control most of the time is what comes into us and what goes out of us. What comes into us and what goes out of us, okay? So in our spiritual lives, I think if we were going to develop a really clear habit for godliness, what would come into us would be the Word of God in every way that the Word of God comes into us. And the Word of God comes into us through reading Scripture. It comes from participating in services. It comes from, it comes from listening to, to music and partaking in art that, that, that espouses the Word of God. It comes from, from being with God's people taking in the word of God into ourselves. And, and when everything is right, when our spiritual life is right as it ought to be, what comes out of us quite naturally then is worship. In word and deed. Not just worship in the sense of like now we're singing songs all the time, but in the sense that, that every act, every word that we have is now an offering to God, our creator and savior and redeemer. That that. And that this works like plants take the sun and produce carbon carbon dioxide. There we go. Not with the science. Thank you. Um, But in the same way, if we take in the word, we breathe out worship. With our physical bodies, we've got to take in food, right? But what we're responsible for as it comes out is our activity. Right? So what is the quality of food that we're taking in? Is it, are we making the best choices with that? And are we exhaling activity in a way that is productive for us and for other people as well? Financially, f- financially, are we being content with what we have? Not in a way, not in a way that we're, we're, we're just satisfied and we never try anymore. But are we right? Or, but do we feel that God has given me what He has chosen to given me, give me, and He is not depriving me of anything? 
right? Sometimes we can get in this idea in our finances that God is being like, well, nope, can't have that, can't have that, can't have that, can't have that. But that's not what's happening. And then when we get this right, and there's a whole lot of steps to this, and I'm going to think a lot more about this because this is probably the one at which I'm worst. But what comes out of us when we get this right is generosity. That we are so comfortable with our financial situation that the natural thing for us to do is to share with others. That, 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 that we are content with what we have been given, we are satisfied and we don't need to buy just more shiny stuff, and we can be generous with others around us. Relationally, what we can control coming into us is forgiveness. Are we aware of how we are being forgiven? Are we aware of, of the flaws that we have done? Are we... Okay, are we aware of the flaws that are happening in us? Are we aware of the, the mistakes that we've made in the way that we've affected other people? And what comes out of that is then repentance. To have an attitude of repentance where we're constantly trying to push ourselves to, 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 to do what God has called us to do and to align ourselves with his will, where we, where we try and repair things where we can vocationally, that we have fulfillment in our jobs. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to like your job. Or that it has to be, sometimes you can have a job that just exists so you, can, so you can afford to feed yourself. That's okay. But even in the midst of that, you can have fulfillment. And then out of that, the out of that goes meeting a necessity in the world. That everyone in this room is essential to the work of the body of Christ. Therefore, as you go forward... There is a, there's a, something important. As, you, as we get to our peak vocationally, we will discover that we will be finding ourselves in a place where the, the, the one need that we can meet in the world is being met. Okay? So I want us all to take under habits, undertake habits that are going to lead us to here. And I'd like us to undertake an experiment because there's a very good, uh, and it's in line with a, a long spiritual, a scriptural tradition of experiment. There are many times in scripture where the people of God would say, okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna do what God tells us to do for a period of time, and we're going to see how it goes, right? So the most obvious example of this is in Daniel chapter 1, where, where the people of Israel are taken in exile, and Daniel and his, and his three friends are, are held aside, and they're going to be like eating from the king's plate, and there was unclean foods from the king's plate, a lot of wine, a lot of rich foods. And things that would not have been appropriate for them to eat. So Daniel then said to the guard over whom the chief, chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants in accordance with, that, with what you see. So we agreed to this and tested them for ten days. And what we found at the other end of this is that God honored their commitment and that they were healthier than the people who had been eating from the king's table, right? The king did this himself with Daniel when he threw him into the lion's den. He said, okay, I'm going to throw you into the lion's den. See if your God will help you here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, when they were about to be thrown in the fiery furnace, said, we trust that our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we will go through with what he has called us. And they put him to the test. And what happened? God showed up in their test as well. So I would like us, and what I'm going to do is, and what I'd like us to try is for the next year, let's really work on 
ingraining these habits in us. Let's train for godliness and see what happens. Because I think the thing that this city needs most is a group of people who are as godly as they can be. And I don't mean that in the negative sense. There's a way that you can say that and it sounds negative because it's like, because that sounds like people who are behaving in a certain way and people who don't listen, who don't do a bunch of stuff. That's not what I'm concerned about. But can we get ourselves to a position where we are more satisfied with our bodies? Can we get ourselves to a position where we are more content? Can we get ourselves to a position where we are, no, where we are more content and in control financially? Can we get ourselves to a point where in our, in our relationship li relational lives we are not participating in habits and patterns of and ways of being that are continuing destro to destroy our relations, relationships, but rather building them up? Are we, are we in our vocational lives, are we actually expecting that God is going to do something in our vocational lives, or are we just going through the motions? In our spiritual lives, are we putting the word into us? Are we tr even trying to engage in God? And, and to see what he does. And, 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 and do we have an accurate awareness of, of fasting and feasting? I want to try this per year. So these are mine. You, I want you to do yours. I'm going to have some suggestions for you. But these are mine, okay? So just to give you a little bit of insight into what I'm doing. Um, so the spiritual one, I, I'm pretty good at that. Okay, so here's the deal. All of us are going to excel at some of these and be weak in others, right? So... So I'm pretty good at the spiritual one. I'm pretty good at the relational one. I'm pretty good at the vocational one. I'm not really great at the other two, right? And there's going to be some of you in this room that are really great at financial, really great at physical, maybe not so spiritually attuned as you'd like to be. That's okay. We're all supposed to help each other and get better at this. But these are the things that I'm participating in. It. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, you'll grow, grow, grow. Now... I chose that for myself, but you can do that too. We live in a time and an era where if you ask nicely, someone will email you a portion of the Bible every day to your inbox. You can just read it in the morning as you get it, okay? But can you take five minutes? If you're at zero, start with five. If you're at 15, move to 17 or 20. If you, but if you're at zero, go to five. Can you take five minutes and say, God, I'm going to listen to you for five minutes? You can do that. Do, you can... Do that for a year. Just five, whatever you're doing, increase it by five. Some of you are already like, I already spend hours. You're awesome. Great. But some of you I know are at zero and you're feeling guilty about it. Right? Get to five. You can do that. Physical. I, I, I don't, one thing that I, I realized about the way that I approach food is I don't really uh, know the difference between fasting and feasting. So in the Bible, there was fasting time, which is basically you ate the food that was around, right? You ate the food that was in your vicinity. And then there was feasting time when you would have your fatted calves and you would have all your wonderful good goodness. But you didn't eat like you were feasting all the time. And what I've fallen into and what many of us have fallen into in North America is that we just eat like we're feasting all the time. We don't have any distinction between fasting and feasting. So my first commitment, it's going to get more serious than this, but the first commitment is just to make myself aware that not every day of the week has to be reward myself with food day. You know, I cannot deprive myself and just say, like, on Saturday I will eat the fried chicken and the baconators, you know, and that 
They're not evil. They're a gift from the Lord, but they have their time and place, right? Okay, vocational. This is a, you're going to have to figure out your own one for this, but I'm going to expect more. I think there's something that I've done in my vocational life where uh, I've sort of felt like because of experience over the last uh, 15 years or so that a lot of the results of my work are outside of my control. And that's a really unhealthy place to go. It's a healthy place to go in the sense that there are many things that are outside of your control. But I think I've let it go too far. And, and I need to recognize in myself that, that I am in control of some of the results that are happening, and I want to expect more. I want to expect more from myself. I want to expect more from us as a church, and I want to expect more from the Lord as we submit to him. Uh, <laughs> relational. This may, I'm sure you're a better person than me, um, but I need to take an inventory of my own bitterness because the reality is, is like I've got some bitterness weeds that are there, and they, I need to yank them out because there's people that I'm, I've got issues with uh, that they might not even be aware of it, you know, and, but ultimately that's on me. And, and that's affecting my relationship with them because I've allowed these seeds of bitterness to take root. So I need to do an inventory of that. And, and th th that's sort of a commitment that I am doing. Financially, just making and submitting to a budget. And this is sort of embarrassing for me, but many of you may, might be in the same place. I went through a place for when I was uh, working in restaurants for a very long time, and I had no idea how much money I was making. I knew I made enough to cover my bills, but because I was getting paid in tips, I didn't add them up to know how much I was actually making. I just paid for things. When I was in college, I used to, I used to roll up change I used to put all of my tips into a jar, and then at the end of the month, I would roll up all my change and pay my rent. But that's not the way that a healthy person handles the gifts that they've been given by God. So I don't know where you're at. Some of you are going to be great, and we'll be leaning on you for help in that. But, but this, is, this is my thing. I'd like us to undertake an experiment. And I'm going to report back to you, and we're going to be reporting back to each other about what this looks like, because I think anything that's important about transformation involves doing a radical self-assessment and then reporting on transformation as it goes. We're not expecting it to be clean, but we want to see how this goes. Because we want to be, and what we've been called to be, is at home while we're away. And the best thing that we can give this city is to be the best versions of ourselves, because that is what God has called us to be. And while we wait, and while we wait the sanctification of the Lord Jesus Christ, and while we wait for, 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 for the coming of the kingdom and all things becoming new, while we wait for that, we still undertake activities on our own to, to, to build up training and hab habits and godliness which will benefit for us for eternity. Let's pray together. God. We ask that you would honor our experiment. We are thankful that you have given us these gifts, these bodies, these finances, this time, this treasure, these talents, this group of people, this life. And we don't want to take that for granted. So what we ask is that at this time, you help us to have the discipline to follow through on the things to which you have called us but also remove the doubt in our minds that transformation is impossible and doesn't happen. Help us to be people who become transformed because of what you are doing in our lives, not just for our own benefit, but for the benefit of all around you, because we have a hunch, because it's what you've told us in the, in the, in the New Testament, 
that when we live the lives we ought to before you, that the world takes notice and wants to follow you as well. So help us to do that. Help us to, to trust you in our spirit, in our vocations, in our bodies, in our finances, in our relationships with others. Help us to place you first and primary. But help us to work on those things, knowing that we can make a difference in the, our lives and the lives of others now and for eternity. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So as we come to this table, what we're ultimately talking about as we talk about these habits are sacrifices. Sacrifices of time, sacrifices of doing what you want to do. And ultimately what any habit is, is I'm choosing what I want in the future to take precedent over what I want in the moment now. And there is no clearer example of this in our tradition than when Jesus comes to this table, when Jesus goes to the cross. And for the joy that was set before him, you and I, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and is set at the right hand of God. Jesus sacrificed what he wanted in that moment, which was not to go to the cross, for the ultimate benefit and good that he did want, which was to see all things new. So as we come to this table, remember that. As we come to this table, ask, I, I would ask that you prepare yourself to be grateful for this sacrifice. But I also ask that, you help the, that the Holy Spirit would help prepare you for the sacrifices in your lives for you to be what God has called you to be. And we'll take a moment in silence to prepare for the table.